Which way is catering with Justine and Bruce? Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. This episode of Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce is brought to you by Brannigan, Inc. For nearly two decades, Brannigan, Inc. has energized brands in the entertainment industry, helping fairs and festivals connect with audiences. Their creative, results-driven marketing approach drives attendance and makes communications fun. Check them out at BranniganInc.com. Also, this episode is brought to you by Spectrum Weather Insurance. Spectrum Weather Insurance provides a variety of rain, heat, severe weather, and event cancellation insurance customized for your specific event. They have the experience and expertise that hundreds of events rely on each year. Visit them at SpectrumWeatherInsurance.com. dancer are you uncle cracker are you like a good chair dancer oh, or yeah. can you bust a move yeah, you on go. your own because i do the white guy jog but then again jason derulo said that's good for me <laughs> <laughs> jason derulo said you should stay right yeah. in that. that's your element and really the white guy jog let's tame that down <laughs> <laughs> it's more like the white guy quick walk see i had the bro crush on jason derulo but now i'm harry styles now you're here you've converted over to harry styles mm -hmm. not converted just you know just moved kinda, on yeah you know added to my black book <laughs> of pro crushes chapter 12 Cha harry styles 12 120 <laughs> uncle cracker how's it going Hey, actually, what we were doing before you came on here was we were going through your catalog. I'll have to say I'm a really great chair dancer. So we were, <laughs> we were kind of banging them out, uh, going one by one, you know, starting with follow me all the way through. So um, that's good. That's yeah. Good. So what kind of dancer are you, Uncle Cracker? <laughs> what are you a good chair dancer or are you can you like bust it out on your own? No, no, no. I'm, I'm if, if I had any type of dance in me, it would be more of a chair thing. I have well, I I have no rhythm at all, like zero. So what? I know, I know, and it, it should pretty much start there. I think kind of, but I can fake <laughs> the shit out of it. Oh, just, okay. oh, well, there you go. Okay, all right. Because I remember when I, <laughs> I I talked to Jason Derulo one time, and I said, "Hey, do you got any tips for a white guy jog?" And he said. You know what? You should just calm down your white guy jog and just, you know, don't do any of that other stuff. Calm it down and then let that be the actual thing. Right. Just, yeah. just kind of, yeah. Is it Zoom like uh, recording the video part too? All we're using is the audio because as you can see, look at me. I mean, it's got to be audio. <laughs> I know. I was ran in from outside in the back. You know, I'm in Michigan, so you get like limited time. We totally get that since we're next door in Wisconsin. Oh, yes. Then you totally do get it. Like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm enjoying these days like it's my last days on Earth. <laughs> yeah, I it's mean, come on. So I was out messing around in the backyard with the sprinkler system, but I'm sweating like a puppy pooping a peach seed over <laughs> here. And 
So I, I was just wondering if it was going to be video. How how much of that am I doing? We we don't we don't deserve video. It's just an audio type of situation. Uh, yeah. Right. So I, actually, don't, I don't mind. I just want to make sure, like, how 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 much do I go? <laughs> you you don't need to go put on a suit. You're fine. Yeah, you're all you're all good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce. Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. And today, our guest in the great state of Michigan, Uncle Cracker. (laughs) Hey, how's everybody doing? But let's get started, Uncle Cracker. I know you've kind of had a history with Variety Attractions. Yes, I do. I mean, I I feel like, uh, you know, a long time ago... uh, yeah, I don't want to say how many years ago it's been. Two, but, uh, a couple. Two, it's, been a, <laughs> it's been a few months. No, uh, yes, I do have a history with Variety. Uh, they've saved me a bazillion times um, uh, in more ways than one, as far as like just being able to be up and out and on the road. I mean, when it comes to touring and playing shows, I mean, it's a, a you know having a having a show in between two other shows is a pretty huge thing to you know to to make you uh well to keep you able to be on the road so mm-hmm. uh, i learned that through variety to be honest i mean it was a uh, a long time ago uh this was right after i started dabbling in the i guess you could say like the country genre uh it was after i did this kenny chesney single so I wasn't really too hip to like doing, uh, you know, any like fairs or, um, you know, whether it be like county fair, state fair, things like that, or other type shows like that, because I had come off this, you know, they had, they kept me like on a really strict booking thing. They didn't want, I don't know. I think, I don't know if it was like uh, my old booking agencies. uh, I don't know if it was like their way of trying to um, uh, have a certain look, you know, like how you, how you sell this show and sell that show are, you know, different things, I guess. So, but I don't know if it was their way of shielding me from things or not, but not so long after I started hopping into the country thing, I found myself doing some, some fairs. And uh, I remember George, I loved him. Uh, he, he would come up on the bus and he'd be like, Hey, is, uh, is Cracker here? You know, and my tour manager would go pretend like I, if I was, you know, like he was looking for me as if I would be busy or something. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so, he just a long time ago, he made it very uh, clear to me that they would be who saved me when it came time to tour, because it was, it was hard. You know I mean? That, that uh, there's a gap uh, between having, uh, too much money and not enough money mm-hmm. and it never closes this gap so uh, I just learned uh, a long time ago who 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 was uh who was in my corner and who wasn't so uh, like I said I love George and uh, variety yes when I seen that come across the the email it was a it was a combination of variety attractions and catering that caught my attention <laughs> <laughs> well isn't that the thing is when you come to a venue, the first thing you ask is which Which way is catering? catering? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look at me. Uh, It's not (laughs) which way is the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Catering it is. Before we get into, into catering, we want to know, Justine and I want to know if you have any of those 
variety white trucker hats left. Yeah, I do. I have uh, cause uh, George sent me a box like because he knew I wore those the uh, trucker hats. I yeah, know. I do, and I was gonna wear that on this Zoom. I didn't know what uh, I didn't know what kind of party this was gonna be, and like oh, I said, I good. just come out in from the backyard and yeah, I wouldn't wear that because they were like they're white. And they got yep. the red with the the rope. They look like the uh. They, what do they call the yacht hats or something? Maybe yeah, kind or, of the the yeah. The yacht rock hats. Yeah, the yacht rock hats or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know if it's like uh, if it's uh, Donald Trump or Michael McDonald coming. <laughs> who, depends on who's wearing it. You know that that style. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're with you. Well, we just found out that they also made the same hat in camo. Oh my goodness. And I was well, like, we're going to need some of those. <laughs> Do they still send out the, uh, the white ones with the rope and the, no, those uh, are vintage. Those now. are collector's items. And I have a ton. Cause like I, like I was saying, I told George, I said, man, you got any of these laughed? Cause I, you know, they knew I liked that style of hat always have, but. Well, it looks like uncle oh. cracker is going to be into e-commerce on eBay with Hey, variety trucks, uh, variety attractions, trucker hats, vintage. Yeah, yeah. You'll know when I'm. You'll know when nobody's booking me anymore because it'll be oh, right come there. On. Jeez. Oh, geez. We were just rocking out to all your songs, and we were like, man, oh, like the perfect summer show. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, um, let's talk catering then. So you go to catering. You're backstage. What's what's your go-to? Are you like vegan? No. No, I'm not. I, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. Correct. <laughs> right. I just, you can't be too careful nowadays. So I want to, I want to make so, sure. I'm, yeah. Grape jelly donuts, yeah. uh, you know, bacon, avocado toast, you know, all those mm. expensive things you find at catering. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. pasta with marinara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A loaf of bread. Yeah, how do you feed 120 people for nothing? Yeah. <laughs> You'll get spaghetti or grits or pancakes and uh or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> so I don't being... really have a go-to. Whatever, uh, whatever it's pretty funny, you know. Uh me and the guys, uh like when I say guys, like the guys in the band talk about this stuff a lot. Um, you know, as you get older, you talk about things like well, the weather, bowel movements. And in our case, catering, you know, like what's, what's going on for catering? Did you see catering? Like it's, it's a, it's funny. Cause when you go like city, just depending on which tour you're on, uh, which city you're in, uh, things, things are different. I like when they set up catering and, uh, uh, like if you're in Boston or you're on the East coast or like, we got a lobster roll over here. You guys are going to love this thing. You know, like <laughs> my cousin, Bobby, cook these things up for you caught them last night you know you just get like it's just funny wherever you're at you know yes. it's always something to, if you're in cincinnati they're like you gotta try the chili they did the chili <laughs> guys especially it's pretty fun it's funny you say the thing about as you guys get older and what you talk about because this just happened to me yesterday my neighbor comes down the street we were talking about something but it we talked about something for like a minute and right away it got to health problems right away. 
Oh, my wife's getting a hip replaced. Oh my gosh. You know, my leg hurts. Oh my God. I got surgery on a bunion, whatever it is. I, I said to him, I said, what happened to the days of talking about girls and motorcycles and beer and goofing around? Why does every, I, I said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. If all we're going to do is talk about health problems. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's pretty much how it works though. You know, it's a, I remember a long time ago, my grandpa always told me, he said, uh, don't complain about the weather, because if it wasn't for the weather, 90% of the world wouldn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> this is what he this is how this is what he told me. Um, but he moved into as you get older, you'll find that the weather's always the great icebreaker. And but conversations will shift. He goes, but you will find as you get older, you'll be talking a lot a lot about health and how people are, like you just said. Uh, hip replacements and things like that and it's pretty funny but then when you like break conversations down which i don't do too often but if you were to break down you know the conversation you can you can see how it ended up there or why you know like i haven't well i got a bunch of neighbors but one in particular not one that lives next door or nothing direct but uh just a little further down but you know he's he's like the woe is me guy so it's always uh, uh, something's always wrong with him. I don't even know where I was going with this. So That's hope- okay. So that event. neighbor you're talking about is Kid Rock. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kid Rock's just complaining. Yeah, he don't uh, he don't live that close to me. Okay, not no more anymore. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask you. So we know that you were called Cracker as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't just like make that up. Okay, so then where's the where does the uncle part fit in? Then how did you get? The name so you have. I needed, uh, uh, you know, about 20 something years ago, I, I DJed for Kid Rock and was in, uh, you know, a whole part of the Kid Rock Twisted Brown Trucker Band. And he set out uh, with the right, with his right, the record label he was on was Atlantic Records at the time to get me a record deal. And uh, let me fast forward. This would be too long of a story if I. Oh, keep going. I, keep going. So it's, I got this, okay. I got this record deal and, you know, Cracker was just always a nickname. You know, when I was younger, I hung out with Kid Rock uh, a lot in the, uh, we hung out in the city a lot. We had a lot of, um, a lot of friends that lived downtown. And uh, a lot of these cats would just call me Cracker. And like, I was really, I was young. So it didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me. Like it, none of it, I didn't ever ask what it meant or why it was just, it was just what they were calling me uh, nickname wise. And uh so it just stuck with some of my other friends that heard, you know, oh, blah, blah, blah. it just stuck. And uh, so that was my nickname. And I had this record deal. But when it came time to, you know, actually record a record and put one out, there was already a band called Cracker. So uh, so we had to either uh, put something in front of it. Like, you know, uh, so I could have been like uh, Cracker featuring Matt Schaefer. Or I could have been, it could have been something really dumb, you know, it could have mm-hmm. uh, dumber than what I, <laughs> what I thought. You know? so, <laughs> so anyway, so we were on tour now. This is a, uh, we were uh, at, at the time I was, I, I wrote and recorded my record on uh, the first couple Kid Rock tours. It was actually the first tour. And the first Kid Rock tour uh, was uh, for that Devil Without a Cause album. And I think we were probably out for almost three years straight. Uh, 
So I needed, uh, we, we took out a separate bus and we outfitted it with a studio on size. It was like back when Pro Tools just came out. So mm-hmm. we could put an actual mobile unit in this thing cheaply anyway. It wasn't like, uh, uh, so anyway, so we, we took this bus, recorded my record. We were on tour. Uh, I had to go home. I had a, a medical thing. I had like a, not an emergency, but I had something really wrong. We had a couple of days off. And Bob, Kid Rock, was shooting a video for Only God Knows Why down in New Orleans. And I was uh, in Detroit and was supposed to meet back up down in New Orleans. Well, something happened. I had to stick back around the hospital for another two days or something like that. But so then I had to get back down to New Orleans as fast as I could. And they, they put me on this flight that was like somehow from Detroit to New Orleans, there was like three different layovers. Um. <laughs> And one of them was, this was 23-something years ago. One of the layovers was in Nashville. Uh, and uh, I was in the smoking lounge uh, in between planes. And I looked on the wall, and there was, the, uh, there was a, 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 a poster of Uncle Dave Macon. And it had, like, the story about him, how they – but it was Uncle Dave Macon. And it was a story about how he – uh, how he lived. Uh, he was a country singer and uh, I think he played banjo and he would uh, get on his horse and buggy and the horses would take him into town all the time. So they knew their way and he didn't have to steer. So he would just sit back and play the banjo and kids would follow his wagon. Like he was, you know, the Pied Piper or something. Hmm. Uh, but I loved the the uncle part of it. And it was right at the time when I was trying to figure out what to do with this dumb name that I couldn't use and, and whatever. So I was like, well, Uncle Cracker kind of sounds like creepy and weird and fun. <laughs> so, and you know, and that's basically what we were doing at the time was just having fun, making, you know, just fun, dumb, uh, you know, fun music. And yeah. so I used, so Uncle Cracker stuck. And, awesome. uh, yeah. Uh, so that was the, that's the only real story behind it. Love it. Better. Thank you. Yeah, Thank that's you. great. And I mean, do you still, like that name or you'd rather be like iron man or something else i mean a different name i mean i don't know when i think of like well even like iron man you know i look at that and i'm like "Eh, just just as dumb you were kind of heavy into the rap thing oh yeah tell us a little bit about that and then how you (sighs) got into djing and then how the whole songwriting thing got going Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was younger, I just kind of, I, when I was younger, probably I want to say 10-ish, I just fell in love with rap music. Uh, you know, growing up in Detroit here, uh, when it came to rap music, so, so if we go 10 years old, that was 1984. Uh, you weren't seeing rap music or hearing rap music unless it was like a Friday night, Saturday night on like, uh, you know, the, the public access, you know, the cable shows, you know, after 1130. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I remember being late up late at night, Fridays and Saturdays and watching, uh, watching TV. And I seen this video for a group called the fat boys. And they had a song called uh, all you can eat. And I just remember thinking like, that is the best thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. And, uh, I knew that, you know, my folks weren't going to like it. And I think that probably helped me helped in, in, you know, in my decision of like, 
digging my heels in. And uh, so I immediately started like trying to rap at 10. And then uh, by the time I was like 15, I had had my first record deal. Uh, in fact, I signed my first record deal at 15 uh, and it was a rap record and uh, it never came out. Um, and then uh, Kid Rock came along, got me out of that record deal. You know, so at that point, probably when I was about 16 ish, uh, Kid Rock needed a DJ and uh, and uh, but I didn't know how to DJ, but I was uh, he and I were like best friends. Um, uh, he was more like uh, my older brother type figure. He like a mentorish best mm. friend. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And um, so uh, he needed a DJ and he also didn't have any dough. So I was like cost effective at this point. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of learned how to DJ while I was, you know, and while we were doing rehearsals and while we were on stage and uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Cause there was a whole list of things that went along with being a DJ. So not only was I DJ, but this was like, you know, Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. It was, you know, we're pounding or I'm pounding flyers to, you know, telephone poles and, you know, and going to you know record stores and doing consigning, you know, tapes and CDs and things like that. And just, you know, just helping spread the word and doing all that stuff. And then mm -hmm. when it comes time to do shows, you know, we had smoke machines and lights and, you know, everything like that, that all needed to be ran by somebody. And, and there I was again, you know, behind the DJ booth with room for, you know, little controllers to control all this stuff. And I knew the music. So I knew all the cues. So I knew when the smoke should go on and I knew when the strobe should start and stop. I knew, you know, which colors were which, you know, like this was green, but you never use green, but <laughs> red, you know, just things like that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> got into that, but it was always a rap thing. And um, you know, uh, I remember in that time, it was hard for Kid Rock uh, to get booked in uh, a lot of these clubs because these club owners wanted uh, bands, full bands. And um, so that's that's how I remember when Kid Rock finally like put together a band to play all his rap stuff. So it was like, there, there's a band. Now we can get shows and, you know, we can move forward. And, and but DJing wise. So throughout this this time, like age 16 to 21, I would say, you know, I had a couple stints where I was DJing basement parties. Um, but I was, I was also, you know, which is a completely different style of DJing than like, say, DJing a strip club. Mm -hmm. so, so I did that as well. Uh, I learned. Which was probably on. horrible. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, you talk about digging ditches. This is uh, it's about, as, just about as bad as it gets. Yeah, I'm sure. Honestly, I'd rather dig ditches than try to collect money from a stripper. Oh, pretty, oh sure. Uh, you know, it's like trying to collect rent or something like just trying to collect anything from anybody that wasn't trying to give it to you. So <laughs> then from there, how did the how did the songwriting come about? Because that isn't that isn't an easy thing. Mm -mm, I mean, no. it just doesn't happen. So when I, you know, when I, when I was younger and I, I wanted to be a rapper at that point, it was all right. I just started writing my own songs and 
Um, you know, I was starting to figure out how to use drum machines and I was figuring out how to sample and, and do things like that. But obviously you had to write these songs as you went and, uh, uh, and, and it ended up being like the best practice for me that I could ever have asked or wished for because, you know, writing an old school rap song, you know, these, these raps are so long. I mean, I remember writing like three, four, five verses for rap songs. And I'm talking like 32 bar verses where yeah. nowadays you'll hear a song and it's like, it would be the equivalent of like four bars, two, <laughs> four bar verses, your chorus, and that's it. Like mm -hmm. nowadays they've shrunk it to like two verses somehow. And then hit repeat. And then they say their name a bunch of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it, it was good practice for me. All the early on rap, early rap stuff was really good practice coming into uh, writing, you know, like a different style of song nowadays, whether it be like a, you know, rock and roll type song, country song, blues, things like that. I mean, it's all very similar, you know, in the, as far as like arrangement would go. But length and uh, I guess content is obviously different ballgame. But mm -hmm. so yeah, so I guess I just learned early on how to write, and uh, uh, and then I, I took a lot of tips from a lot of different people too. You know, I just I, I uh, you know being a DJ and uh, I learned early on DJing that if you are a disc jockey, whether it be at a radio station or in a strip club or in a basement or a party, something like that you're not necessarily playing songs that you like. This is all about whoever you're playing to and for. If you're, if you want to be a DJ and you're hung up on like the artistic integrity, you know, <laughs> get rid of it. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not for you, you know, it's yeah. not for yeah. you. Go starve somewhere else, I guess. But uh, <laughs> it was uh so early on, it was it was just a, and then and then DJing is where like I started listening to other things that I wouldn't have normally listened to, and started taking a liking to something. So, uh, it's, it's aside from like country and things like that, which I had already loved and listened to growing up. You know, I listened to my father listen to these things, whether it be Motown or Patsy Cline. That's the only thing that came out of my dad's speakers, mm -hmm. and uh, so. But these types of things uh, are these 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 this type of music i guess i had already loved and known and appreciated but mm -hmm. learned a lot just djing you know just just in those few little things i i uh, uh and these are things that would take somebody years to figure out you know and not even know they were figuring that part out i guess you know mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i lucked out in a lot of senses now as far as collaborating i know you like to not collaborate you like to do things on your own which is great but yeah. how did you how did you then like get tied up and collaborated like with doby gray or mm -hmm. kenny chesney i mean how did that was that just kind of a natural yeah. organic coming together i mean i wish it were a little more i guess it kind of was organic in a way but so drift away came about well the doby gray collaboration was obviously on the drift away song which was his uh years ago he recorded this song and uh this song was written by uh a guy named mentor williams i think he passed away a few years back but uh i don't know if you if you're familiar with mentor uh his brother is paul williams do you remember uh remember mm -hmm. paul williams the uh, you know, yeah. watching the puppet show and he was always on there like long he looked like 
kind of looked like John Denver to me almost. If I, you know, when I was right, he had the the round glasses and the yeah, yep. But he did a lot of stuff on the Muppets, and you know, now now that I'm older and kind of know his story a bit, it's because he was such a huge writer, and he wrote a lot of stuff for for a, for a lot of different people and mm-hmm. shows, things like that. So anyway, his brother was mentor and wrote Drift Away. Dobie Gray cut it. When my first single came out off my first album, the only song on that record that wasn't rap was a song called Follow Me, and it hit for me. It was a it was a it was a it was a good hit for me, mm-hmm. but I had to go to these radio stations in the mornings, like 6 a.m. And they'd want me to do these acoustic, uh, you know, do a few acoustic songs. Yeah. Well, I only had follow me that people knew. So it was, uh, I remember Kid Rock at the time was like, man, you should, you should uh, just, just go sing Drift Away. You know, it's mm-hmm. very, you know, it's acoustic. You know what people kind of, it's familiar to people because Drift Away was kind of like one of them ones where, it wasn't like a, uh, it wasn't like an automatic, but it was one of them ones where it came on the radio. Nobody knew what was going on really until the chorus would hit, and then everybody would kind of sing the chorus or song. So it was one of those songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started doing that acoustic wise, and uh, I so I was going through New York City, and uh, I played their morning show. Well, the guy that the 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 cat that was at their morning show was the, this legendary uh, radio guy. His name was Scott Shannon, legend. Yeah. Well, when I left there, he called uh, the president of my record label at the time, Jason Flom, and he ba- he basically was just like, if if uh, if Uncle Cracker doesn't cut Drift Away for his next album, you guys are dumb. But I knew uh, I already had my second record like in the can. It was, and I wasn't, you know, and uh, there I was, young, and I was like, they're not gonna tell me what I'm gonna write. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so i was kind of playing uh hardball a little bit but not too much because i did go record it i just didn't tell anybody i recorded it mm-hmm. um i really also but i did at the time in my defense i didn't want to come off like you know my first record sold a couple million going on it was like two million going on three so i was like well i'm not gonna go into my second record and have the first single be a cover song and i was like that would just be uh what did I know? Like that would be career suicide, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I knew, like what was going to happen or something. Yeah, uh, I gave in, and we ended up, we ended up. That was going to be the next single, the first single off the second album was going to be "Drift Away." But then I remember I was in LA, uh, and I had a couple. T- I was on tour with Aerosmith and uh, Run DMC, and I had like a week off in LA, uh, and I didn't have any real time to like fly back to Detroit and then fly back. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go in the studio and write. So I went in and I wrote this song called in a little while. And it was kind of just about me sitting there not being at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I, I called the label or my president of the label. And I was like, well, I got the single. And he was like, what? And so anyway, I played him the song and that ended up being the single. And then we went with drift away. Well, there's plenty okay. more babblings where that came from. Well, we want some yeah, juicy Yeah, babblings. we want some good babblings now. Okay, so after you're, you're DJing with Kid Rock, then you put out your album, you kind of hit it big with your first songs. In those early days when everyone was like, oh my gosh, Uncle Craig, and they're all about you, like how did you go from nobody knowing you and then all of a sudden you're stardom? Like how do you, how did you handle that? Like what was that like? I was really lucky in a sense that um, Record Label always had a hard time like, getting my name and face and song uh, 
as one, you know, like uh, I ran into a lot early on. I ran into a lot of, uh, there was a lot of people who knew the song, but they didn't know who sang it or mm. what it looked like. There was a lot, of, but then there was a lot of people who knew the name, but didn't know the song. And uh, mm -hmm. so, so it's a really tough thing to do, I guess, you know, uh, to make all those uh, things work at the same time, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why when I say like, oh, the label had a hard time doing it, just in general, it was a hard thing to pull off. So if I can blame them at any point, I will. I, but I had watched Kid Rock. Um, and like I said, he's my best friend. So I had just come off of three years on tour with him and watched his whole uh his whole thing blow up and kind of watched how he was handling things and what was going on. So when it did come time for my first record and it did hit and it worked, uh, I kind of felt like I knew what I was doing at that point. You know, mm -hmm. like I had already known, like, get there late, leave early, these types of things. Mm -hmm. you know, the, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Classic. So there was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of, a uh, lot of little tricks that I'd learned already. So I had an easy time with it. Uh, but and then I say I had an easy time with it, but I also had an easy time with it because there was some uh, there was some confusion with it. And it wasn't uh, it could have been way worse on my end when it came mm -hmm. to, you know, you know, it was a different world back then, obviously, you know, than it is mm -hmm. today. You know, I couldn't imagine being a YouTube star or, a, yeah. you know, just a different thing altogether. But uh, that's the only thing we had, you know, back then it was. It was a different, different, you know, you, back then, uh, people only worried about HIV. They didn't worry about uh, camera phones and stuff, you know? Right. Right. So it was just a different world and uh, things were simpler back then. Mm -hmm. You know, we laugh about uh, the camera phone stuff and somehow the young artists have to deal with some of these things now. And uh, I could think of, a, um, I could probably think of a million incidences where, uh, it probably would have been canceled eight million times by now had there been camera phones on a specific night or whatever night. Okay, so <laughs> share one of the yeah, one we million hear. stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just saying, like these camera phones are ruining people's lives over yeah. something yeah. really stupid and dumb. And so, oh. have you ever had a good uh, debauchery at maybe like a meet and greet that you could share with us? Any fangirls just? out of control oh th those things uh those happen all the time even still you know these, these some some i don't know if it's like people can get uh i don't know people get excited you know people can uh you know <clears throat> a long time ago too i had like a uh there was a uh, i had like some it was a guy it, it was pretty weird like i had to hire like private investigators and things mm. like that it's really weird because uh, these things that happen at meet and greets, you know, most meet and greets go off, you know, without a hitch, everything's fine. Everybody's, you know, you take your picture, you, you talk to some people, you sign an autograph, you don't, mm -hmm. everybody does it different. Some artists mm -hmm. won't sign, some artists won't do this, some artists won't do that. But, you know, I think the whole point of a meet and greet is just to, you know, at least, you know, have a little banter, you know, uh, introduce yourself. Uh, I mean, there's not really enough time to do, much at these things so mm -hmm. but people will try to sneak in a french kiss on you or uh, <laughs> you know, try you know seriously these people will try to do a reach around or they'll do this, do this. pretty weird you know so yeah. 
people get weird, but then you'll get, you know, and you've heard this about people in the past, you know, people, the, who's the poor girl that got uh, killed at one of these meet and greets because of some, well, what do you call it? A fan Overzealous thing. fan. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, because these people get so excited. They get so excited, but when they finally like get to a point where they meet you, I don't know what it is inside these people's heads, but they, they, it's like, they love you so much, but they would rather walk away saying they stepped on your foot than shook your hand. It's mm -hmm. some real bizarre. Uh, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. um, so you've played many places around the world. What's been your favorite? Do you have like a favorite venue or favorite show or favorite uh, like tour you were on? So I definitely love like a lot of things down South. I love like, you know, favorite, I do have favorite cities and uh, venues uh, and a lot of the venues, you know, you know, some artists will be like, Oh, it's all about the, it's all about the sound system and stuff. But a lot of times it's the catering. You remember the catering at these places, you know, mm -hmm. you'll go to like, you know, you'll go to like a house of blues and they always have like dope catering. But you'll go to like, uh, you know, you, you play, uh, I don't know, it depends. You'll get the you'll get the venue that wants to just shuttle in subs from the family. But uh, uh, but I do. I have tons of tons of favorites. Uh, well, one of my probably my favorite club to play would be uh, the Machine Shop. And that's in Flint, Michigan, you mm -hmm. know, which is actually only an hour from my house. Uh, but great venue. You know, great staff, great owners, just great club all together. It's not, it's not a palace. It's nothing. It's actually just, it's really small. It's much smaller, intimate. And, uh, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you won't even see catering at that joint, but <laughs> the place is dope. It's just a great yeah. spot. So nice. yeah, you just love all, you love different things, different places for different reasons. And So when you were talking about meet and greets and how people, react when they finally meet you and things like that and what they've done what was your favorite meet and greet personally when you met that person oh, and yeah. you were on the other side of that coin like meeting oh like a like a george like you know meeting george jones or meeting you yeah know. so i yep i've definitely been in a, a lot of those uh situations where like for instance, meeting George Jones, I met him. Well, they asked me to play a song at his, I want to say it was like a, not like a 50th birthday party. It was like a, uh, they were celebrating like 50 years of him and music, I think it was. Mm. Okay. And uh, and they were filming it at like the, at the opera. And uh, so I, I was on tour and I pulled the buses around back and had to do like this rehearsal thing. And they were going to film it later in the evening. So I get there and just kind of like go over the rehearsal thing. And then George is there, like sitting right in the front. So he's like right in front of you, like the microphone's here and he's like down here. Mm -hmm. uh, and nobody told me that he was going to be there listening. And uh, so very cool, especially like listening to his stuff since I was growing, so since I was a child. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish it's so so you I get I was so excited I can't even remember like the entire thing you know I'm just so focused on like you get like these 
you have a million questions you want to ask that person and then you and you can't which is why another reason why i don't mind doing meet and greets myself because i understand like people do get excited and you know they, they just they fumble over themselves and it's almost funny to watch mm-hmm. but i get it because i've done it myself i fumble and uh because you got so much you want to know out of that person you know and you're just like well when you wrote that one song what were you? <laughs> you know and you're just it's pretty uh it's fun so but i think my favorite was probably if it wasn't meeting george jones it was meeting like run from run dmc for the first time oh or hank jr for the first time uh these were all like people that i looked up to and got lucky and was able to meet them at some point and uh and i felt like a little kid like on christmas morning you know mm-hmm. when I, uh, there's a couple cats that i met that i won't say that were just turned out to be complete uh disappointments you know but mm-hmm. That happens. Yeah, that's a bum- that's a bummer when that happens. Yeah, you're just, yeah, because you're like you know you want him to be, but I guess that's the whole you know, don't expect too much you know I guess but you hold somebody in such high regard for so long and then they're right there and they're, and they're either like I don't know they're they're either rude or like maybe they're having a bad day too I like to give benefit of the doubt I guess like, mm-hmm. oh, get a headache or something but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah so, that was uh one time justine and i we worked for an event and we brought in alice cooper oh yeah and rock and roll hall of famer the whole thing and really looking forward to meet meeting him and he was everything and more yeah. when you met him because he is such a sweetheart i mean it was just it was awesome yeah, it, it was, was great wonderful. yeah that was like one of those times and i met him last week for the first time sweet. Oh, nice, nicest guy, just like engaging and just more than I than I thought he would be or wanted him to be in. Very cool. Yeah, it's like, yeah. And it's like, wow. Yeah. And you were just on stage and your head was chopped off and now (laughs) you're here. (laughs) Now you're here and I don't. How'd you survive? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have met our expectations. Oh, cool. Good. I hope I wasn't like a, a, a downer. No. So know. what's next? What do you, what are you doing next? What's your. So I just been writing and working you know, on this pandemic give everybody a lot of time to write and do things like that part. But so next is just very groundhog day ish for me, you know, when it comes to like just you tour and you, but uh, you know, being an older artist, uh, where you kind of go through like the album cycle and then you promote the album and then you go back and then you do that, you know, nowadays with everybody does a song and then they follow it with a song, you know, just for mm-hmm. social media and things like that. Uh, I still have to do the, the kind of the, the old model, I guess, when it comes to that, because that's where I've been for so long, but just starting to kind of like dance around that and, and, uh, just have things on the back burner to be able to start releasing things more often. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's really it just to, uh, just to try to put myself in a groove where I could release more things more often. Kid rock, your best friend and known him for a long time. And you've learned a lot from him and he opens up his own brewery. 
Is there an Uncle Cracker something down Ooh. the road like that? A tequilery? Uh, whiskey? Awesome. Uh, no, that would be awesome, though. And uh, just having watched them guys go through all that whole mess is <laughs> probably better. They leave the brewing to Wisconsiners. <laughs> there's a lot more involved than i ever would have imagined when yeah. it comes to that stuff yeah um, in fact i know uh i know when kid rock did you know they ran into some trouble with the brewing stuff so they had to sub it out in wisconsin oh somebody there had uh i guess some space to be able to help out mm -hmm. uh, at the time which was good for them and uh just unexpected stuff you run into but It'd be nice, though. You know, a lot of people doing the whiskey thing. And uh, I think the only thing people aren't doing is, like, gin. But does anybody gin drink sucks. Gin? <laughs> gin sucks. That's why. I had, like, a, a minute, like, a blurp in time, I guess. I'll never do that again. Uh, <laughs> I had, okay. like, a blurp. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there was a minute where I remember like uh, somebody turned me on to this. Like, so you drink like five or six beers and you get pretty buzzed up, but then they're like, but then have a gin and tonic after it. And then it was like, so I did this, but it, it was like the equalizer for some reason. It was like, all of a sudden you weren't like giggly googly from beer. This thing like calmed you down. And like, all of a sudden you like, you had your wits about you again. Mm. I don't know why it just did it. But then I was like, mm, well, if that makes it better, then I'll just keep doing the gin and tonic. And then you can't remember anything. Yeah. Well, if you yeah. do start an uncle cracker, like tequila or something, we'll buy it. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Be, we'll be in. Perfect. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but no, we do appreciate your time today and being mm -hmm. as candid as you can mm -hmm. with us. And, you know, this is kind of what our podcast is about is just, sitting around having a beer having a drink just shooting the breeze shooting the breeze well i had fun shooting it with you that's for sure and i awesome. thank you guys for having me oh you're very welcome well thanks Anytime. for your time thank you guys take care see we'll you uncle see cracker see you later Bye. bruce and i want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast which way is catering with justine and bruce if you'd like to drop us a line you can email us at whichwayiscatering at gmail.com or visit us at varietyattractions.com. A big thank you to our sponsors, Brannigan Inc. and Spectrum Weather Insurance. Which way is catering with Justine and Bruce? Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. That's fabulous.